Hello everyone and welcome to episode 43 of season 1 Reading with Grace, where we will continue reading the Unwanted's Island of Legends. Today we will be picking up from chapter 20, but first a recap of chapters 16 through 19. Aaron formally met the creatures in the jungle and convinced them he was actually Alex and was sent to them by the perished Mr. Today. In the Museum of Large, Alex finished building the scattered whale skeleton and had started to cover it in layers of materials for skin. He named the whale Spike Furious and dreamed of bringing her to life. In the jungle, Aaron was asked to fix the black creature's tail by magic, whose name is Panther. Finding no way out, Aaron agreed, thinking he was going towards certain death, but by a miracle, he managed to restore her tail perfectly. And in our last chapter, Alex began reading the Triad Spellbook and thinks he knows how to bring Spike Furious to life. That's the end of the summary. Enjoy the episode! Twenty, the live spell. It was amazing how much more complicated the live spell was compared to the restore spell. But when Alex thought about it, it all made sense. He finished reading the section, noting that Mister Today recommended bringing into a creature to life in a safe, enclosed space and to alert anyone nearby to his actions so they could take cover if necessary. Mister Today went on to explain that just like the other triad spells, the words should be concentrated on and thought deeply about while wearing the robe, of course. Oh, and the mage should lay his hand on the side of the creature when performing the spell, or it wouldn't work at all. Alex took the book into the Museum of Large. He looked at the whale, then back at the book. He reread the passage extra carefully this time, and then he looked at the whale once more. I can do this, I think, he said. His knees quivered, and he felt a little lightheaded. I mean, of course I can. I already did one of the triad spells, and I didn't even have the book for it. So... He let his hand slide across the belly of the whale. A bit of snow-damp paint came away at his fingers and shone in the light of the museum. Alex's heart pounded. Could he do what Mr. Today said to do? Could he put that much of himself, his dreams, into this creature? He wasn't sure. But Alex, who was no longer a frightened boy, Alex was a mage now, who had taken on the end of his world and almost single-handedly brought it back to life. Surely he could handle bringing one creature to life for the first time. And now Sky was counting on him to do this. A silly grin crossed his face as he thought about kissing her, but he knew he had to focus on this spell if he was going to do it right. He studied the instructions again, took a deep breath, and placed his hand on the whale's side. And then, trying hard to push the thoughts of Sky far from his mind, he began. Initiate, he said, thinking about the word and what it meant, starting something for the first time, what was definitely something he was doing here with Spike. When Alex felt he had focused on initiate long enough, he moved on to invigorate. He closed his eyes, thinking invigorating thoughts that might transfer through his hand to give life and vigor to the whale. He could almost feel the power pulse through his fingertips, and then he moved on to instill, softening the pressure against the whale's side a bit, trying to think of every good thing he had inside himself that he could transfer into the creature. Things like the wisdom he had gained since coming to Artime, and the experience of the deepest sorrow, which could only come from the deepest love. Alex wanted the whale to have the ability to reach both, even though he knew them both at times could be painful. Alex wanted to instill a sense of right and wrong in the creature, and so he focused his thoughts for a moment on kindness, tolerance, and selflessness, which Alex associated with making good and right choices. And he wanted the whale to be brave and strong and intelligent, so he thought about those things too. It took quite a long time to get through the first three words of the live spell, and Alex was already tired by the time he got to the word improve. 
Still, he pressed on, now focusing his attention on improving things that he'd already cast upon the sculpture. He wasn't exactly sure how to do that, but in his mind, he imagined the most perfect creature companion, and ideas came pouring out. Let Spike speak and understand any human or creature, and be able to send messages through sonar. He thought and then added, feeling a bit panicky about all the gifts and abilities he was bestowing on this creature. But only for good, and to benefit others. Alex could only guess that unbridled magical abilities could cause him extremely bad problems. And even though there were times when he wished he could do everything magically, he knew that ultimately he wouldn't want a burden of it. It was hard enough just being a mage now, and having people clamoring for him for to fix every little thing they couldn't fix on their own. While Alex could think of no more ways to improve on the initial phase of the live spell, he took a deep breath and opened his eyes so he could review the second phase. Spike seemed slightly brighter in color than before, and her skin seemed warmer, but her eyes remained closed. Let's get on with it then, Alex murmured, as if to assure the whale that he would continue. He spoke the words in turn, concentrating very seriously on each. Comfort, he said, picturing not only physical comfort for the whale, but also a sort of spiritual, emotional comfort that would emerge in times of distress. Happiness, he added, and then peace thinking about how much he wanted both for himself as well, and emitting an extra burst of concentration into those areas as thoughts pulsed through his fingertips into the beast. Success, Alex thought about the whale overcoming any obstacle and leading other sea creatures to victory. Immediately, he rolled into the third phase. Loyalty, Alex said, thinking of Simber. Devotion, he pictured the Gerinos, most especially RJ, who had given her life for the safety of Artime. Zeal, Alex said, not quite positive what the word meant, but thinking it had to do something with really liking to eat, since a cook in the mansion's kitchen had used the word once in talking about the food Sammy had out on his tree. So Alex pictured Spike with a real love for food. He was getting a little dizzy with all the concentrating. Bringing life to a creature was no light task. He moved on. Intensity, he said, thinking of Miss Octavia and her abilities, and then going off script as he sometimes had a tendency to do an actor's studio, he added, Speed and pictured the whale positively flying through the sea. Alex moved on. Passion. Yes, Alex thought. Passion is what must take place of fury. Passion makes us want to live another day, to try and do the right thing. Passion contains love and fear and anger and motivation. Passion keeps you fighting when you want to give up. It was, Alex reflected later, something you could even work to improve inside yourself. As he neared the end, Alex was attempted to say, fury, despite Mr. Today's crossing it out. But Alex didn't want to mess with Mr. Today's obviously well-thought-out spell. Having Furious in her name would have to do. And really, Spike Furious was probably the best name a creature could have. Alex turned the page, keeping one hand on the whale. Finally, address your new creature by name, urging him or her to take a breath. Don't forget to step back and give your creature some room to breathe and move about. Alex put the book down and placed his hands on the whale. He took a deep breath and said, Spike Furious? You are alive. Take your first breath. There was a hum, a buzz in the air, and the wheel began to shimmer. Alex stumbled backwards so he could watch, taking it all in. Spike, he breathed again, unable to contain his excitement. Breathe. The enormous creature opened her milky eyes, which expressed immediate surprise in the most beautiful way. Her blowhole paused and her tail flipped. She breathed once, twice, and then her body began to slump and sag. Her eyes became pimpics of fear, and her gorgeous blue skin turned a sickening shade of gray. Twenty-one. 
The Short, Uneventful Life of Spike Furious. Alex paled. His hands rose to his forehead, his fingers threading through and gripping his hair. What is it, Spike? What's wrong? Spike's eyes rolled back and her lids closed. Her sides heaved and a moan came from somewhere deep inside her. In an instant, Alex realized that he had made a horrendous mistake. He ran to her side and placed his hand on the whale, struggling to think of the term he needed. Um, improve, he shouted. Be able to live on land. He jiggled the heaving creature's side, which had become very hot. Stay alive, he cried, but it was no use. The spell had been enacted, and there was no way to go back and fix it. Wildly, Alex looked around for water, but there was nothing here. He'd have to run all the way to the kitchenette, and even then he only had teacups with which to transport it. No, he cried as the memory flooded back. The memory of Mr. Today talking about how he had found this whale on the shore, and how he had watched it die because it couldn't get back into the water. Now Alex had brought it to life only to watch it die again. It was the most horrible thing he could imagine, and he had done it to the poor creature. Guilt raked inside his insides. Water! Alex yelled, pointing at a book, trying to create it, but nothing happened. He had never been able to do it. Lonnie was the only one he knew of who could turn things into soup, but as far as he knew, putting the whale into soup wouldn't exactly solve the problem. He needed to get the whale into water. He needed to get the whale into the sea. An idea sprang into Alex's mind. The transport spell! He'd be able to transport the whale to sea! But what if she swam away? Alex whipped his head around, looking for any other option that would assure him that Spike would live. But there was none. All he knew was that he couldn't let this whale die. Alex put his hands on Spike's side once more. He screwed up his face, clenching his jaw and squeezing his eyes shut, as he pictured the Sea of Artemis, just offshore but in deep enough water that the whale could be fully immersed. And even though he was exhausted from the creature of the beast, he mustered up his strongest concentration, picturing the location where he wanted to transport her. When he was sure he had focused sufficiently, he muttered, Transport. He waited a moment, but he could still feel the creature struggling underneath his touch. He peeked at her, then shut his eyes once more. Transport, he said louder and more desperately this time, but the whale didn't disappear. Ugh! Alex had no idea why it wasn't working. Come on! He tried a third time, to no avail. I'm so sorry, he cried, clinging to Spike. I don't know what to do! Why wouldn't it work? Alex turned away, slumped to the floor in agony, and buried his head in his hands. He would have to stay until it was over, that much he knew. The whale's gasps and moans, her shuddering flank, all of it was the most horrendous thing Alex could imagine, and he was the cause of it. No wonder Mr. Today had stopped making creatures. It was too painful when he made a mistake. When Alex looked up, he found himself staring at the statue of Old Tater and remembering his conversation with Mr. Today about the transport spell. And soon the words came back to Alex. Old Tater had been transported to the Museum of Large with the transport spell. But that was after Mr. Today had put him to sleep. It doesn't work with humans or leaving creatures, Mr. Today had said. Alex looked up at Spike in horror. That was why it didn't work. Spike was a living creature. At least for a few more minutes. It was agonizing. Would he be able to bring back a creature who had died? Old Tater hadn't died. Mr. Today had put him to sleep. Was there a difference? Alex jumped to his feet. He couldn't stand it. Spike was in misery. He looked at Old Tater once more, and then slowly, Alex turned toward the whale and began singing, his mind searching desperately for the words and changing the ones that mattered. Spiky girl, spiky girl, too much sadness, no repeats. I am sorry, more than sorry, but it's time for you to sleep. Immediately, the whale ceased her struggles, and her body turned back into materials Alex had used to make her. The new mage checked her over carefully and emitted a long sigh. At least he had put her out of her misery but he was still very sorry to have made her suffer for so much at first. It had been a mistake, a big one, and it had made on someone else's life. 
Alex knew he would most certainly never forget it as long as he lived. Still shaking, Alex touched the whale's side once more, eager now to right his wrongs. Let's get you into the water, he said. Ready? He sucked in a deep breath and let it out. Okay. Alex closed his eyes once again and pictured the sea, just off the shore, but deep enough for the whale to be fully immersed. He concentrated on the spot in his mind for a long time, and then he whispered, Transport. The whale disappeared. Alex's eyes flew open. He stared at the empty spot, and then he ran out of the Museum of Large and through the hall to the balcony, tripped down the steps and around a few residents who remained awake at this hour, raced past dozing statues of Simber and Florence, and flung open the front door, which immediately woke Simber. Before Simber could speak, Alex, still running, yelled, "'Going for a late-night dip in the sea!' At the edge of the water, he kicked off his shoes and fought his way out of his pants, but he kept his robe on, then dashed out to the water, running and splashing until it became too deep and dove in. Pulling a blinding highlighter from his robe pocket, while he swam, he aimed it at the ocean floor, trying to find the effortless spike. He knew she'd be at the bottom, like Simber had been, but where exactly? Alex also knew the transport spell wasn't entirely accurate. The effects of Miss Octavia's underwater breathing class became evident as Alex searched. It was loads easier to hold his breath underwater now, using the oxygen in his blood to keep him going, and he could easily stay underwater for six or seven minutes without coming up to the surface. He needed those six or seven minutes now, and the murky water magically coaxing the blinding highlighter to hold a steady, not blinding light rather than a flashing quickly and fading away. Alex pushed himself along the ocean floor. As he searched for the large body, he realized he didn't remember all of the lift spell. He hadn't memorized it. Perhaps he should go back to shore and get the book. But then he shook his head. He didn't need the live spell. That's not what had brought old Tater back to life. He needed to use the restore spell. Frantically, he tried to recall the words that he could in the order they were in. It started with imagine. Could he remember the rest? It seemed like years ago that he restored Artemis, even though it had only been a matter of months. He pictured Sky to side like she had been back then, and that seemed to calm his mind as he recalled the patient hand signals to keep him remember the words. Imagine. Breathe. Whisper. He hesitated, knowing that the next word was the one he always forgot, and today was no different. He closed his eyes to concentrate for a moment and pictured Sky pressing on his chest. He smiled and opened his eyes, letting the seawater sting them once more. Of course, the one thing you've forgotten to do then and couldn't exactly do now. It was breathe. And then finally, the word that would trigger rebirth. Commence. Oh, Sky, he thought. Maybe if he hadn't been so googly-eyed about kissing her, he wouldn't have made such a stupid mistake, and he wouldn't be in this predicament right now. He frowned. Now it wasn't a good time to be thinking about her either. All Alex really needed to do was find the whale, which was turning out to be impossible. His lungs began to burn. It was time to surface. He pushed himself upward and broke the surface, taking in deep breaths of the cool night air. He looked around to see where the lights of Artemis lay and found himself a good bit offshore. Had he missed Spike somewhere? Perhaps she should double back. He saw Simber backlit by the mansion lights, looking upon, then yawning at the edge of the water. And he waved to him. Simber nodded in return. Alex was secretly proud that the cat hadn't come out over the water to see what Alex was up to. That meant Simber trusted Alex not to drown. It was a positive step, Alex thought. Once he had had his wind back again, Alex dove down and resumed his search, this time swimming laps parallel to the shore, drawing closer and closer to shore until he could nearly touch the bottom. Since Zuel was quite a bit taller than he, she would stick out above the waves, so he couldn't be here. Alex had to keep searching. After about an hour, he caught sight of a whale a good thousand feet on the other side of the mansion, where no one liked to swim because of the big rocks and sharp edges of the reef. 
The very tip of Spike's tail stuck out of the water just slightly, as if she was lodged on the reef, head pointed down at the ocean floor. Finally, Alex grumbled, the transport spell needs a bit of work if you ask me. But no one was there to ask him, so all Alex could do was continue on. Once he had his breath, he stood cautiously on the reef and reached down to the water to touch the whale's side. His sopping wet robe stuck to his shivering body, but once again that night, Alex concentrated and began to utter a very important spell, one that he knew he should never forget. Imagine, he whispered, imagining the whale alive again. Believe. Oh boy, did he believe it. He'd seen it happen before, and he didn't need anybody to convince him that this spell would work. Whisper, he said, knowing he'd been whispering all along. His magic and his energy gave in life to the whale. Without hesitation this time, Alex uttered the next word. Breathe. However you do it best, Spike, you must do it now. And with that, he ended it. Commence. He repeated the words two more times and then waited. When he felt something electric pulsing through his fingers, Alex opened his eyes. The whale's tail was moving the slightest bit. Spike, he shouted. Spike, furious, you're alive. The water was charged in the great creature's presence. Alex could feel the life around him, the rebirth of this creature, the return to her natural habitat. And then he felt the slap, the really extremely hard slap, of her tail on the side of his face, and he felt his body being lifted out of the water and thrown ten feet aside. When Alex resurfaced, spluttering, and came to his senses, Spike was gone. Twenty-two. Overwhelmed. Aaron Stoke, covered in leaves and dirt, got up from the bottom of the jungle tube. He brushed himself off and watched as the panther jumped from tree to tree, the little dog following along, yiping from the ground below and then hopping up to grab a branch with his teeth and swinging from branch to branch by the grip of his mouth. Aaron didn't know what to think. All he knew was that he needed to get out of here before something else went wrong. He wiped the dirt off his clothing and looked at the rock. Okay, well, goodbye then, he hesitated. Now that the danger was over, he felt strangely drawn to this place. The rock moved closer. We shall see you again soon, I hope, it rumbled. Ah, right, of course. I shall come by again soon to make sure everything is working as it should. He looked over his shoulder at the tube's button, as if that would help him leave more quickly. By the way, he said, how many creatures are out here? A dozen or so. Some of them I haven't seen in, well, in years, I suppose. I think about them, though. They know how to find me, if, if they need me. Aaron frowned. The Ronk's voice had turned wistful, and Aaron didn't know how to process that, and frankly, he didn't want to know. Not today. He had had enough for today. He nodded and said another awkward goodbye, and then he pressed the button. Spending less than a second in the tube in his brother's mansion, Aaron pushed the first button, which would take him to Haluki's. When he arrived there, he felt a cold draft, cooler than any temperature he had ever felt in Quail before. His heart pounded. Had he hit the wrong button by mistake? He pushed his hand out of the tube and found the familiar closet doors. Cautiously, he opened it and stepped into Lugie's office. His suit squished on the wet floor. What in Quill? Aaron wondered, stepping gingerly across the room. It was almost chilly in there. The walls were wet, the ceiling dripped with water, and the floor was soaked. It was more water than he'd seen in one place before if he didn't count Artime, and he didn't. He dipped a finger into a small pool of water and tasted it. He never felt something so cold on his tongue before, and it tasted good. He cupped his hands and drank some more, glad for it, but feeling like he was in a strange dream. Why was it here? Puzzled, he wandered through the house. Still in a daze from the jungle experience, it was the same everywhere. 
Water dripping from the tables and the chairs, standing in the sink, soaking into the wooden floorboards, and in the center of the dining table was a small white puck of something strange. Aaron reached down and touched it. Ouch! he cried. It had felt good at first, but then it made his fingers burn. He dropped the puck, watched it skate across the floor, and pressed his fingertips to his cheek. They were cold. Aaron could feel a strange, anxious feeling welling up inside him. It was all too much for him to process after what they'd just been through. He couldn't make sense of anything tonight. It was all he could do to keep his legs from collapsing under him as he made his way to the palace. What Aaron needed more than anything right now, he decided, was to forget everything weird that had happened and go to sleep for a week. Then he could figure out just how to handle this new, secret part of his life. Staggering back to the palace, Aaron didn't even notice Secretary on the side of the road, hiding in the shadow of the wall, talking quietly with a friend. Or perhaps it was an enemy. But Eva Fathom saw him. He's up to something, Eva said in the shadows after Aaron was out of sight. I can feel it. Well, you have to hold him off for a while. I'll try. He's a bit of a coward, so it shouldn't be difficult. Be safe. You too. The two, friends or enemies, perhaps not even they knew for sure, clasped hands and been part of waves. Twenty-three, The List By morning, preparations were in full swing for the rescue, and Alex didn't have time to lament the loss of his first creature. He'd been preoccupied, he had acted hastily, and hadn't thought things out, which had resulted in several obvious mistakes. Perhaps that was why Mr. Today had never tried to recreate the whale. That was no place to keep it and train it or simply talk to it. It was a bit embarrassing, actually, not that the fear of Spike's dying was over. Alex was glad he hadn't brought an audience around to witness it, especially Skye. What if she was disappointed in him? He hoped she wouldn't ask about it, though maybe if it included her more in the planning, she might have had some better ideas. She was known for that, after all. But the truth was, whenever Skye was around, Alex felt like he wasn't concentrating enough on being the leader of Artemis. And it was when he wasn't concentrating enough that mistakes were made. It was a serious problem. Blah he muttered, thinking not for the first time that maybe mages just weren't cut out for having relationships. Not romantical ones, anyway. Alex hoped Skye wasn't hurt that he hadn't asked her to help. He decided that if he just didn't mention the whale and acted really busy and focused on the quest to rescue Skye's mother, all those awkward feelings about Skye and about his mistakes with Spike would soon no way go enough. Sembra had witnessed the entire Spike saga from shore, of course. Eventually, he'd been joined by Seen, who'd gone out for a late-night walk, as he often did. Simba tried to explain to Seen what was happening to Alex, but he didn't actually know all the details, so he made them up, much to Seen's delight. The two had waited patiently on shore as Alex swam back alone. The giant cat had held his tongue, hard as it sometimes was, so at least Alex had that relief. Seen had just laughed once he knew the whale was alright, and he promised not to say anything to embarrass Alex. In spite of the darkness, Alex had remained on the shore, watching out over the water, at first, he had thought the whale might come back, but after several hours, reality set in, and eventually Alex had stopped looking out to sea to watch for his shiny creation. He'd gotten up and gone inside to bed. It was so strange how much Alex cared about the whale, even though he felt the whale personally, but the whale knew little or nothing of her own creator, or how much work he put into her to make her just so. Would she even know him if they met again? Alex doubted it. But there was plenty of work to be done to distract Alex from Spike's short life in Artemis. It was time to pack up the pirate ship and get everybody on board with the plan. 
Alex walked down the boys' hallway to Sammy's room and knocked. Sammy opened the door to let Alex inside. Hello, Alex Stowe, said Sammy's blackboard steward. It's especially nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Stu, Alex said. Clive says hello. Clive hadn't said hello, but Alex knew Clive would be annoyed by Alex's saying it, so he did. Stuart looked suspicious. Oh, really? He pressed his face out a little farther to get a better look at Alex. Oh, yes, Alex said. He thinks you're pretty neat. He told me the other day how much he admires you. At this, Stuart looked almost frightened. Oh, dear me, I have to go. He slid back and disappeared into the blackboard. Sam, he'd raised an eyebrow and whispered, Clive didn't say any of that, did he? Nope. What is it with those two? Alex shrugged. No idea. Maybe they're too alike to be friends. Unlike us. Alex laughed. Right? He flopped onto Sam Heath's couch and pulled the list of art demands from his robe pocket. Okay, see what you think. He handed it to Sam Heath. Sam sat in his chair and put his feet on the coffee table and picked up a pen. His bro furrowed and he chewed on the end of the pen as he read. When he was finished, he looked up. So, Mr. Appleblossom and Miss Morning are staying here to keep watch over the Warbler kids? Are they going to take off their neck things? I thought it would be fine to do that. What do you think? Oh, yeah, totally fine. I don't think those kids have any secret plan to do anything at all to us. I believe what they said about their parents tricking Agala. Problem is, she won't make that mistake again. Yeah, Alex shook at his foot. I will that she'll attack to get the children back. What if she comes when we're gone? We can't sit around waiting for an attack. True. Besides, she probably doesn't know what to do next. Maybe she'll figure out she cut her losses. Maybe, Alex said. He pointed to the paper. Any other comments? Sammy looked at the list again. Any squirrelicorns? Rufus and five others. No fox or kitten on this one? Alex pursed his lips. Can you think of a use for them? Well, there's always comic relief, Sammy smiled. Besides, fox can swim, probably forever. He's made out of driftwood, isn't he? Alex sat back and tapped his lips thoughtfully. I suppose they don't weigh as much, so they wouldn't slow the ship down. And you never know about Kitten. She can always get into some really small spaces that nobody else can. I say she's pretty valuable to have. I'm just afraid of losing her or having her swept away. Yeah, Sammy agreed. Good point. But Henry's pretty good about keeping her in his pocket. He studied the list again. Wait, where's Florence? You're not taking her? Are you crazy? Nope. I was just trying to think about who would be the most useful for an underwater fight and rescue, if it comes to that. Plus, she weighs a ton, and the ship was always tipping. I think she'd be useful in smashing the crud out of some glass walls. Well, that's true. She's good at pretty much everything. Except maybe hiding. Sammy laughed. Fair enough. And what about Meg? She asked to stay back if we could spare her. She really likes spending time with the Warbler kids, and thinks she can help them adjust to Artemis. Besides, she knows how to get the thornaments off. They lasped in silence as Alex reconsidered his choices for the journey. He took the list back from Sam Heed and added Florence, Fox, and Kitten to it. All right, I think we've got a team. He stood up. I'll go run it past Miss Octavia and Simber, and then send out a blackboard announcement. At the word blackboard, Stuart's face pushed out. You rang? No, I was just talking about Clive. I'll be sending out an announcement later. Stuart frowned. You know... If Clive ever has a problem living up to his duties. Easy there, Stu, Sammy said. What, you just leave me just like that? Oh, heck yes, Stuart said. No offense, but you're kind of difficult. Sammy laughed. What? I'm totally offended. That was only when I first got here. I'm cool now. Eh, Stuart said, looking away. Sammy shook his head and grinned at Alex. 
You see what I have to deal with? Alex grinned back. I'm with Stuart. You were a real pain in the neck back then. It was really great here when you and Lonnie were missing. So quiet, no drama. Sammy'd punched Alex in the arm, and they left the room together laughing and shoving each other like they had no problems to worry about, not noticing Stuart's longing glance following Alex out the door. Thank you.